Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. What makes you different? That's a big question, but I had the answer. I was like, easy. And so at that time in my life, I carried around a rat tail. I carried around a rat tail. And so I was like, what makes me different? I got a rat tail. And so I still have the rat tail today. So I want to show y'all what I showed this for. I showed them this baby right here, okay? I had this rat tail. Now, let me tell you, you might think a rat tail is a rat's tail, but what a rat tail is, is a rat tail is when you got a bald head and you got a little (laughs) piece of hair coming down. So I had this thing right here. No joke. And so I just like pulled my hair to the side. I was like, bro, I got a rat tail. What do you mean what makes me different? I'm chilling with a piece of braided hair and a bald head. That's what makes me different. I don't know if that was the right answer. I don't know if that was the wrong answer, but I got the job at Hot Topic, right? You know what I mean? So like, I was like, yes, I'm a little bit different. And so got the job. But what a big question, right? What makes you different? And I want to reframe that a little bit because I think it's an important question to ask. So let me ask it like this. We're in church today and all that good stuff. So what makes a Christian different from everybody else in the world? What separates a Christian from, from somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus? I looked up a couple uh, stereotypes this week just to kind of like find out what the world thought made Christians different. And uh, these are some of the things that, that I found. These are, this is what the world thinks makes a Christian different. Christians don't believe in science. <laughs> Christians can't have fun. Christians think they're better than everybody else. Christians shove their beliefs down everybody else's throat. And honestly, like I'm reading that list and I'm seeing these stereotypes and I'm like, okay, if these are the things that make Christians different than everybody else, then it's like, you can count me out. Like, I might not understand science, but I still believe in science. And like, I like to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like Christians can't have fun. I'm not for that. Like I'm all about having a good time. So what really does make a Christian different from other people? Because the reality is like, we have to answer this question, right? Because if there isn't anything that makes us different from everybody else, then then what's the point of being a Christian, right? Like, what's the point in believing in Jesus if nothing in your life changes? Last week, we got to hang out with with Grandpa John in 1 John 2. Uh, Like Brian said, today we're going to be in 1 John 3. But if you remember, John, who's who's writing this book, at this time, he's 80 to 90 years old. He's been uh, around a lot of Christians. He's spent a lot of time with God. He's got a good relationship with him. And so I think that before we read these words in 1 John 3, I think that before John wrote them, he remembered that something Jesus had said to him earlier on in life. You see, this is what he said. John, or Jesus told John in John 13, 35, he said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, John knew straight from Jesus that the thing that makes a Christian stand out, the thing that makes a Christian different is their love for each other. 
It's not the the cross necklace. It's not the Christian t-shirt. It's not the cross tattoo. It's not the verse you got tattooed. It's none of that. It's not the verse that you put on your bio. None of those things make you a Christian. In fact, John has been around a long time. He's seen Christians do a lot of different things, but the one thing that makes Christians stand out from everybody else is the love that they have for each other. So with that in mind, John begins uh, 1 John 3. I'm going to start in verse 11, and he begins it like this. He says, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. And then he says it super plain, verse 11, that we should love one another. I'll tell you a story real quick. A long time ago, there were two brothers. One of the brothers was a farmer. Another brother was a rancher. And so I know we're in Texas. I hope you guys understand what I'm getting at. Uh, a farmer works the, the land. The rancher works the animal. A farmer has crops. A rancher has cows, right? Like farmer, corn, rancher, cows, So these are these two brothers. Now, nothing against Team Farmer, but to be honest with you, Team Rancher, he was a better guy. Like the rancher had a better relationship with God. He had a great life. He he was good with God. He was a good dude. He was a good husband. Like everything was good. He was obedient. The rancher had things right. Now, the, the farmer brother... He's a, he's a little bit different, right? The, the farmer brother doesn't have his life together. Farmer brother looks at rancher brother and he's like, yo, I'm a little jealous. Things aren't working out with God. My life isn't that great. And my brother, the rancher, he's tight with God. Things are good. And so he gets just jealous and angry, right? I'm talking about the anger that just kind of makes you get heated. And so farmer, man, he's, he's upset. He's like, man, I'm jealous of my rancher brother. He got the cows. He got a good relationship with God. Things are good. And so this is what happens. Farmer brother calls rancher. He's like, come on over. They're in the field. So he's like, I want to talk to you. So rancher brother smiles. He comes along to his brother. Farmer brother picks up a shovel. Whack, whack, whack. And the rancher's dead. And that's the story of Cain and Abel from Genesis 4, as told by Cole Miller. And so with that story in mind, John says, this is the command, love one another. But then he says this, he continues in verse 12, and he says, we should not be like Cain. Cain, the guy that whacked his brother. We should not be like him who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. And so you look at that and you're like, all right, John, we get it. Christians are supposed to love each other. Love them. Don't murder them. And, and honestly, I, I don't think that we have any like murderers in here today, right? Like there's no apost- imposters among us, if you know what I'm saying. But w- w- what I mean is like, you look at this and you're like, okay, love each other. Don't murder each other. We're good to go, right? Like we've got this figured out. But honestly, I, I don't think that that's the truth. I'm not convinced that we're good today. And, and in fact, I think that there's some, some problems, I think that biblically speaking from 1 John, that we're going to figure out that there there might be some murderers in this room today. But I think that for me personally, after studying this text, more than being scared of a murderer being in here, I'm honestly scared that that I might be standing in a room full, full of a bunch of people that call themselves Christians, but look no different from everybody else because we have no idea how to love each other. 
And so I'm convinced that, that more than ever, 1 John 3 matters to you and to me. So as we get into the message this morning, as we learn to, what it looks like to love each other, can we just make a commitment? I want to make a commitment to you and you make a commitment to me. And that commitment is simple. I just want to make this commitment to being honest with ourselves. I want you to commit to being honest. And instead of assuming that John's words apply to somebody else, instead of assuming that whatever I'm saying applies to the guy sitting next to you and not you, I want you to just be honest enough with yourself to say that maybe today might be about you. With that commitment in mind, we'll start again in 1 John 3, starting in verse 14. It says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. As you guys know, I, I thoroughly enjoy playing disc golf. All disc golf is, is it's like golf, except you play it with Frisbees. Sounds lame, but I have a ton of fun doing it. And so all the time I'll go out, I'll play with, it's usually me, Nick, Mike, and Johnny. And for some reason, I'm cursed. I always have Johnny as a teammate. It doesn't matter how often I try and get out of it. Johnny is always my teammate. And so... Johnny's not that good at disc golf, so it's frustrating sometimes. Anyways, we go out. We're playing the other day. It's me and Johnny against Nick and Mike. And who wants to lose to Mike, right? I don't want to lose at all, but I definitely don't want to lose to Mike. And so we're going. We're playing disc golf, and uh, so we tee off, right? Like we throw, and I do terrible, but Johnny does really good. It's a miracle. We're sitting up. We're sitting up there. And so then I watch Mike and Nick throw. And Mike and Nick, back to back, they throw into a tree. And I start clapping for him. I'm like, guys, you nailed it. You did a great job. And I kid you not, this dude, Johnny, looks at me and he goes, you know, Cole? I'm like, what is Johnny about to say to me? He goes, you know, Cole, in band, they taught us that you don't cheer for the other team doing bad. You cheer for your team doing good. I got to be honest with y'all. Most of the time when Johnny talks to me, I don't do a great job of listening. But for some reason, as lame as that was, that stuck out to me. We don't cheer for the other team doing bad. We cheer for our team doing good. Like that stuck with me because I know that there's times in my life where I have treated other Christians no better than Cain treated Abel. You see the problem. How about you? You ever treated somebody like Cain treated Abel? You ever treated someone not, not quite like you should have? Have you ever enjoyed watching somebody else fail, knowing that, that when they fail, it kind of makes you feel a little bit better about yourself? When you see someone's life that, that is going good, when things are going right with God for them, and it's not going right with you, do you secretly wish that maybe they would fail? Do you secretly wish that, hey, maybe something would come out about them? The people would know who they really are. You cheer for them when they fall. Let me ask you this question, and it's a big question, and I think that you, you might say no at first, but if you think about it, you might say yes. Have you ever hated another Christian? Is there someone in your life that says, I believe in Jesus, and you, you hate them? John continues in verse 15. He says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Oh, you might never have, have picked up that shovel. You might never have picked up that shovel like Cain. You might never have, have whacked your brother. You might not have whacked that person that you hated. But, but have you ever picked up your phone? 
not quite a shovel, but have you picked up your phone and sent a text message to somebody? Have you ever made a post? Have you ever done whatever you could to make somebody else feel like less of a person? Have you ever hated somebody? Hear me, I, I, I don't think that, that every single Christian in this room is, is a terrible person. Lauren Ritchie bought me a coffee today, right? She's sweet. She does all right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that we got some, some, some sweet people in here today. But, but I also know that, that, that there's some of you in this room that you, you just don't get it. I, I think that there's some of you in this room that, that you don't treat other people quite as kindly as you should. There's some people in this room and you don't treat Christians the way that God wants you to treat them. And and I'm not telling you that you're a terrible person. I just need you to know that treating other Christians poorly is a big deal. It's huge. And if we are going to stand out, if we're going to be different, then we've got to find a way to love each other the way that Jesus loved us. And so John continues in verse 16. He says this. He says, by this we know love, that he, that's Jesus, laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Here's the deal. If you are in here today and you say, hey, I'm a Christian, what that means is that you believe that you are a sinner. You believe that because of your sin, you deserve death. You believe that you are in need of a savior, right? And so you believe in Jesus as your savior. And in your biggest time of need in your life, Jesus comes through and he gives his life for yours. And you, and and meeting your need for a savior, you know that Jesus loves you. That's you as a Christian. So track with me. So if that's how Jesus loves you, in your biggest time of need, he gives his life for you, then why? Why when we see people who are hurting, why when we see people in need, why when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ, why do we think that loving them is as simple as sending a a quick, I love you, I'm praying for you text message? Why, Why do we water down love to a high five and a hug? The reality is it doesn't matter how much you say you love somebody. It doesn't matter how much you text somebody. If you aren't sacrificing for them, then you don't love them. You see, love is expressed in sacrificing meeting other people's needs. It's a verb. It's not just like a a word you throw around. It has action behind it. And so what our biggest need was a savior. Jesus loved us and he met that. And so why, when we see other people in need, do we think that love isn't going to be a sacrifice? Verse 17, John continues. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods, if anyone has things in this world and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I got to say that I wouldn't be the man I am today. I wouldn't be standing in front of you without Christians in my life loving me in deed and in truth. When I was in college, I was like most other college kids. I was broke. (laughs) I was so broke that I didn't have a car. Now, to not be broke, you got to have a job, but to 
to get to a job, you got to have a car, right? And so I, I, was in a, I was in a tough spot. So when my roommate, Seth, when he saw me in need, he didn't say, wow, Cole, you're broke. <laughs> you are so broke. He didn't say, but I love you, man. No, what Seth did is Seth, he didn't say a word. He took his car keys and he threw them at me. Seth never told me he loved me, but when he threw his car keys at me, I knew that Seth loved me. My junior year of college, uh, that summer, I had a youth ministry job. I was excited about it. I was going to be a youth minister in Hume, Missouri, population 336. I was ready for it. But there was a problem. You see, Ozark Christian College closes their campus during the summer, and, and, and I didn't have a place to stay. Now, my freshman year, I was broke, but for some reason, my junior year was broke, too. I couldn't, I couldn't afford an apartment. And so uh, I, I knew this guy, Tom, and, and when I told him my situation, he didn't say, man, that's tough. There's a homeless shelter down the street. He, he didn't say, hey, hey, man, I, I want to let you know I'm praying for you. I, I hope God does something for you. Tom invited me to come and live with him and his wife. Never in my life has Tom ever told me that, that he, he, he loves me. He, he's, a, he's a country boy. But I know that Tom loves me because he sacrificed for me. Those are a few stories of a couple people in my life who loved me but when I was in need. But without their love, I, I really don't know where I would be at today. And, and here's what I want you to understand. When John says in 1 John 3, he's, when he uses the word brothers in need, brothers in need, it's very specific. You see, John isn't talking about your, your literal brothers, your, your family. John isn't talking about your best friends even. John isn't talking about the people that you just talk to uh, at church. When John uses the words brother, he's talking about the people in this room, in this church today that believe in Jesus. I know he uses the words brothers, but it's brothers and sisters. If, if you're in this room today and you confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then he's talking about y'all, every single one of you. What John is saying is when the people sitting around you today have needs and you have the means to meet those needs, that's an opportunity for you to love like Jesus loved you. And I get it. Most of you in this room don't have car keys to throw to somebody or a house key to let someone stay, right? But, but here's what I want you to know. Meeting someone's needs isn't always material possessions. In fact, meeting someone's needs is deeper than that. The year after I graduated college was a tough year for me. Honestly, I just needed someone to believe in me other than my wife and my mom, right? Like, I just needed someone to say that they believed in me. And so, I kid you not, uh, at that time, Nick Cannon, he was in Missouri. But every single Wednesday, every single Wednesday, without fail, even if I missed the call the week before, Nick Cannon would call me. He would ask me how I was doing. He would check in on me. He, he, he would pray for me. And on every one of those calls, not once did Nick Cannon ever tell me that he loved me, but I knew that Nick loved me because he sacrificed his time to make sure that I was okay as his friend and his brother in Christ. John 15, 13, my, I think it's my favorite verse in, in, in the world. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. 
You see, sometimes a sacrifice takes money. Sometimes a sacrifice takes time. Sometimes a sacrifice takes humility. But, but all the time, John says, whatever the sacrifice takes, if you have what someone needs, take advantage of the opportunity to love them. And I want to let you know that I know that it's the Bible. And sometimes when you read the Bible, it'd be like, yeah, I don't know if that's possible. I want to let you know that there's a church that did this. There's a church that loved each other. There's a church that met each other's needs no matter what. There's a church that sacrificed for each other. It's found in Acts 2. Acts 2, 44 through 47 says this. And all who believed were together and all had, uh, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That's the first church. And you see, when the, when the first church started, they loved each other. I mean, they got it right. There wasn't a single person in the church who had a need. They made sure that they were taken care of. And here's the crazy thing. When we look at that church, I'm like, okay, what is that? A church of 20 people? You know what I mean? Like, let's be real. But, but read a couple verses earlier. That church was over 3,000 people. 3,000 people. Not one of them had a need because they loved each other. Well, we don't have 300 people in this room. Not even 300 people in this room. My point is simple. We got to do better at loving each other. And I promise there's a reason that we love each other better, and it's this, because the verse continues, Acts 2.47. It, it tells you the, the it, it just caps off what's happening after this church loves each other. Acts 2.47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people. That's crazy. Like, the city didn't talk, talk mess about this church. They, they had the favor. But, but this is the part I want you to see. This church, they loved each other. They sacrificed for each other. Acts 2.47 says, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. You see, when we choose to stand out and make that sacrifice and love each other like God commands us to, then that's when our friends, that's when our classmates, that's when our coworkers, that's when our community will come to know Jesus. It's as simple as loving each other. And when they see who we are, and they will be drawn to our Savior who taught us how to love. In closing, I'll leave you with this. John 3, uh, 23. says this, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. And I think we do a good job at that. We believe in Jesus. But John doesn't stop there. He says, this is the command. We believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Then he says this, And love one another, just as he has commanded us. You see, you can't believe in Jesus and not love Christians. It doesn't work. You can't love Jesus and not love Christians. It's an oxymoron. It can't, not compatible. It's like trying to put the Android iOS on an iPhone. Not going to work. You know what I mean? James says that, that faith without works is dead. And I would tell you that love has to be more than words. It's time that when we see each other hurting, when we see each other in need, 
It's time for us to love better. If that means sacrificing time and just being somebody with them in their hurt, then we sacrifice the time. If that means that that maybe our family's doing a little bit better and, and we can buy them a lunch when they don't have lunch, then we make the sacrifice. So the the next time you see a fellow brother or sister in Christ in need, meet that need. Don't just say that you love them. Sacrifice for them. Show up for them. And when we love each other like that, and we're the church that God has called us to being, then even the gates of hell will not be able to stand against our church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.